God, we pray that you would be with us as we reflect upon this disturbing passage. Uh, We look at this and wonder, what are we going to do? So we ask that you would guide us by your spirit and that you would give us wisdom to know uh, how to apply it today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to tell you that um, every once in a while, I consider writing a devotion based upon the most awkward passages in the Bible. Uh, one of my favorites, of course, is the, uh, the story in the Old Testament where uh, some uh, young kids start uh, mocking Elisha for being bald. And a couple of she-bears come out of the woods and maul the young, uh, young kids. That's actually my life passage right there. I, I really appreciate that. Um, it just shows how much God loves bald guys. And so that would be a great uh, passage for a devotion. And there's a lot of these really strange passages that we look at and we wonder, what are we going to do with this? And definitely the story of Ananias and Sapphira is one of those. So basically, what we see here is you have a a Christian couple who sell all of their property and give some of it to the church, but keep some of it for themselves, and then God smites them, and that's the end. So uh, the message is obvious, right? It's uh, we have to uh, uh, give all our money if if we hold back anything from the church, Uh, then God's going to do some smiting. So I'd like to ask the ushers to please pass around the plate at this time. (laughs) This will be our our record uh, Sunday for us. Well, I'm thinking that that's not necessarily uh, the way things work. Um, We don't operate that way. If we we had someone in the the church here uh, who sold a piece of property and they came and they said, you know what, uh, we just feel like we want to give uh, 25% of what we sold. We wouldn't be, uh, as a deacon's ward, we wouldn't be meeting with them saying, well, what's going on? What, what about the other 75%? What are you doing? Do, do you want to die? Is that what you want? Uh, we wouldn't do that. We would be like, wow, that's great. If you want to give us 5%, hey, whatever, whatever it is, we're, we're happy with that. So what do we do with this? Do we just take the story of Ananias and Sapphira and see it as one of those strange little stories. It's just kind of a footnote in the Bible uh, that we perhaps want to forget about because it's just too awkward. Well, I actually think that there's some actually good things in here that are very applicable today, and I'm going to try to, to work through that. So, in many ways, the, this story here is a continuation from the last part of chapter 4. Uh, Remember that the chapters are not something that Luke included in this as he was writing Acts. These were were, uh, included later on. Someone divided them up as to what were chapters and what were verses and so on. And at the end of chapter 4, we find that there's this guy named Joseph, but we would know him better as uh, Barnabas. That's the name. That was really more of a nickname for him, the son of encouragement. And uh, we find that he owned a piece of property... And he sold it, and he gave all of the money to the church. Now, this Barnabas eventually becomes a really important leader in the early church. He actually takes up a lot of space in the book of Acts. We find that he becomes uh, Paul's first uh, ministry partner. Now, at this point, uh, Paul is not a Christian yet, so that's yet for the future. But eventually, Barnabas is going to play a very, very important role. Now, is there a connection between Barnabas's leadership role and his giving of his money. Yes, there is, but it's not the connection that you might think. Uh, 
It's not as if he gave all of his money to the church and they said, well, I guess we're obligated now to give him a leadership position because he's given this money and, you know, it would only be the proper thing to do that that we would uh, give him this. It'd be kind of like... uh, uh, today, when uh, sometimes when uh, a large amount of money is donated to a place, uh, maybe it will be named after uh, that person and honor them because you feel that obligation. That was not what was going on. Rather, the fact that Barnabas did do this spoke to what Barnabas was like on the inside. The early church had a sense of who this guy was, how dedicated he was, where his loyalties lie. They knew that. And so when it came time to choose someone to be uh, an active uh, partner with Paul, to be an evangelist, to be a church planter, and all these other things, it was obvious. Barnabas had already proven himself in what he had done before. He wasn't made to give up his property. He chose to do that because he saw the kingdom of God as being the most important thing. So that brings us to Ananias and Sapphira. Now, the thing we have to be clear about here is that no one was obligated to sell all their property and to give it all to the church. We see that every once in a while, Jesus would say something like that. Someone would come up to him and say, um, uh, what do I need to do? And, and Jesus would say, well, sell everything you have to the poor and come and follow me. But he didn't say that to everyone. In fact, uh, there, were, there are examples where someone offers to give half of what they have And Jesus doesn't say, well, what about the other half? He says, this is great. That's wonderful. You're you're being generous. Uh, He doesn't make everyone do that. And the early church didn't make everyone do that either. It was a choice that a lot of people, or a certain amount of people, would do. They would say, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe that uh, the, the church is just starting, that Jesus' work has to continue And so we are going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And so some people chose to give everything they had. And so Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be a part of this in some way. But they also kind of didn't want to give all of it. So they sell their property, they get X amount of whatever, and they're looking at it, what do we do? Well, It'd be nice to keep a little bit of a nest egg, right? You know, something for for retirement, something in case maybe maybe this whole church thing is not going to work out. So it'd be nice to have a little bit on the side. Whatever their their reasons were, they decided they're going to keep back some of it. And that was fine, except for, say that they were going to keep 25% back. If they went and went to the church and said, here is 75% of what uh, we sold, we're giving it to the church, that would mean they're only getting 75% of the glory because Barnabas has already shown, he's already set the standard that 100%, he is this great Christian that people are looking up to, people are respecting. If they go and say, well, that's nice that Barnabas gave 100, but we're only going to give 75, that just doesn't make them look quite as special. So they kept the 25%, but they went to the church and said, we sold our property for this amount and we are giving it to the church. However, things do not stay secret for long. And Peter finds out about this. Now, how did Peter find out? I really doubt that he started an investigation, that he had some people looking into it and checking the paperwork and all of that kind of stuff. I don't think that Peter did that. God revealed this to him. That's the the picture that we're getting. God reveals to Peter 
that Ananias and Sapphira lied about the amount that they had sold the property for. And so Peter confronts them. He first of all confronts Ananias, and then he confronts Sapphira, and both of them end up dying. And we look at that and we say, wow, that's really, really harsh. Why would that happen? Why would just, uh, you know, uh, uh, wanting to hold back something be the reason for dying? And it wasn't just wanting to hold back. Now, you have to remember where we are in the context of the history of the church. This is at the very beginning. We think of the Christian church as this worldwide, powerful organization that would be very hard to stamp out. But back then, it was pretty fragile. Things were just beginning. And what it needed to be, what needed to happen is for it to be built on a proper foundation, a foundation of integrity. Now, what is integrity? Integrity is basically being the same thing all the way through. We know something has integrity if it's right through. So if you have something, uh, maybe something has gotten into it, maybe some insects have gotten in there and, and uh, eaten a hole in there, and so there's a pocket of air, uh, there's a hollow space in there, it's lost some integrity. It has to have everything all the way through for it to be integrity. And that's what the church needed to be built on. And that's what that was the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. Not that they didn't give everything. It's that they wanted the glory of having given everything, but without actually having done that. They wanted to have something on the surface and something different underneath. And that's why Peter accuses them of lying to the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, which is the glue that holds the church together. But by introducing a lack of integrity they were breaking apart that. If you think about it in this way, uh, what is the opposite of integration? The opposite of integration is disintegration. There was a danger that they were going to disintegrate the church by what they are doing, by offering a standard in which we would be something on the surface to impress people, but our inside, our internal being, our spiritual life would be something else. And that was something that was really, really bad. So what does that mean for us today? I don't want people to come to church with a spirit of fear. I don't want you to think when you're putting some money in the offering plate or you're giving online that you're thinking, wait a minute, what if I'm not giving enough? What if God strikes me down? What if he makes me sick? What if he takes something away from me? What if he punishes me because I'm not giving enough money? That is not the message of this passage. The message of this passage is the important importance of integrity, of being people of integrity, Christians of integrity, and a church of integrity as well. Uh, it got me thinking about the, uh, the difference between uh, veneer and wood, uh, real wood. Um, if you have had furniture of different kinds, you'll know that really there is a huge difference between veneer and real wood. Veneer just has an eighth of an inch strip of real wood, and then it's placed upon particle board. Real wood is wood that goes all the way down. The whole thing is wood. And um, furniture that's made out of veneer can look fine. In fact, I'm not saying that veneer is always bad. In fact, the the desk that I wrote the sermon on was uh, made of veneer. But there is a huge difference between that and real wood. 
Have you ever had something that was made out of veneer and it gets damaged? Then what do you do? Like once that veneer starts peeling, it is really, really hard to fix. What if you get a scratch on real wood? Well, you can refinish that, right? You can sand it down. You can you can uh, put a new stain on it, new varnish. It is a lot easier to fix. There's something really different between wood and veneer, and we are called to not be veneer Christians. We don't want to be Christians that have a really nice an eighth of an inch surface look and then something completely different underneath. We can't do that. We need to be wood all the way through. The same thing that if you look uh, on the outside, what you see on the inside is going to be the exact same thing. And this is a problem. There, this is a real problem because we have seen in the last number of years, I was just thinking even the last five years, some extremely high profile, and not just high profile, but very respected Christian leaders have fallen. And people that five years ago, if I went and said, you know what, this person, this person, this person, and this person, they would lose their complete reputation that all, uh, all the respect that people had for them in their position as Christian leaders, that that would disappear by 2020 you would say I was crazy because you would look at them. Look, just look at how great they are. Look at the the reputation they have. Look at what people are saying about them. They have such greatness about them. But it was veneer. It was really nice on the outside, but on the inside, there were major, major problems. And for those leaders who have done that, uh, they have been responsible for making those mistakes, whatever it was that they did. But you know what? As a church, we are complicit with this because we reward leaders like this. We have cultivated a culture of um, Christian celebrities. We like these idols. We like these special people that we can look up to and say, wow, they are so amazing. Look at them. We are so impressed with them. And so that encourages these people to build up that veneer as much as possible, to shine that veneer really, really nice so people will be impressed, so that people will respect them. But underneath, they're still lacking. What we need are Christians, not just Christian leaders, but Christians in general, who are the same thing on the outside and the inside. Now, you might be thinking, oh, that's so hard. None of us can be perfect. Yeah, you look at these leaders who have fallen... And, uh, you know, that, that's happened to them. But, you know, how can any of us really stand? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about integrity. Integrity doesn't mean that we're perfect on the outside and we're perfect on the inside. Integrity means we're the same on the outside as we are on the inside. That means we might not look as impressive on the outside as we would want. But if it's saying what we're at, that's what is important. It's, uh, it's kind of ironic because it's in this time now where we're all sitting in this room uh, wearing masks. And really what I'm here to tell you is it's time to take off the masks. I know, Emily, I'm not trying to tell them to take off the, uh, these masks here. But the mask of veneer, that, that impression that people have that we are perfect, that we uh, should be looked up to, that we belong on some kind of pedestal, that kind of mask has to come off. I'll tell you, I'm still uncomfortable with 
this passage. I don't enjoy reading it. I don't get to chapter 5. I'm like, yeah, that's that great story about Ananias and Sapphira. You know, hitting the ground, dead. That's just so, oh, yeah, that's good. I wish it was a VeggieTales episode. You know, like that's not the kind of thing that's going through my mind. I'm glad that I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't the people who were carrying their bodies out of the room. But there is a principle here. The principle isn't give all your money and die, or else you're going to die. The principle is be people of integrity. Be the same on the outside as we are on the inside. We want to be a people of integrity. We don't want to be a church that is disintegrating. doesn't mean that we're all perfect. It might mean in the short term that people are going to be like, really? You struggle with that? I never knew. That's, I, I didn't think that people of faith struggled with that kind of thing. But it actually is going to be the way that people will feel more like Jesus is for them. Our goal is to grow, not just grow on the outside so that people are impressed, but that we grow at the same rate on the outside and on the inside. Let us pray. God, what a story. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, it's, uh, it's so hard. It's so hard for us to, to look at this story. And yet, it's even harder for us to look at ourselves when we feel that temptation, just as they felt, that people would look up to us, that people would respect us, that they would think that we are something special, when deep down we know where our struggles are. We know the weakness that we have. And we're afraid to remove that veneer. We're afraid sometimes to be people of integrity that are the same all the way through. God, we pray that you would help us to be the people you want us to be, to not just stay where we are, but to grow, but to grow on the outside and on the inside. And we pray that as our weakness shines through, that your glory is made manifest in that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.